With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've got the crew. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put you guys on hold, and uh, I'll be with you guys here in just a second. Hold on. Let's go to the Skype. We've got uh, we've got Don Mazzello with us today. We also have uh, Dan Perkins, best-selling author, IQR Rizzoli, and Rich Wessenberg is our special guest today. And um, Rich has written an amazing book and uh, an amazing series of books, and uh, he touches on everything from. Uh, financial investments to the way the world works to the Lord and also about Islamic terrorism and that uh, is going to be in IQ Al Rizzoli's wheelhouse today. Uh, let's start Rich. Go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself and tell us about your book my friend. Yes. Uh, of course my name is Rich Westenberg. I'm a Christian author. The book Treasures of the Believing Heart which is the top selling book around the world. Um and what I try to focus on is really help people understand the significance of a strong believing heart. One of my big messages is that strong believing hearts are the real strength in a family, in a community, in a country, and more in a big picture in a generation. And so I'm trying to bring awareness to truth and that we all have a responsibility to rise to truth and let's find the truth in all those things you talked about, it being finances, if we're talking about uh, Islam, if we're talking about our neighbor next door, to bring some semblance of truth so we know how to navigate life a lot clearer. Um, let's start with Don. Uh, do you have any thoughts here, any questions for Rich? Oh, I have many questions. First, uh, a book like that I think is uh, very definitely uh, needed in this world today. Um, but I guess my first question, question always is, uh, why did you uh, write the book? Well, initially, uh, there was a combination of things. It was for my kids, but it was because at the time, my wife and I are both former ministers, and our kids were very small, seven and eight, and and I kind of have a dual ability. I work in the, the business world. I have a degree in business, and I also have a degree in theology. And so at the time, I was teaching my kids a lot of biblical principles, and most importantly, the law of believing, which 
is really hardly known. It's a principle that's taught widely, being me working in the marketing field. I'm constantly talking, but I don't call it the law of believing. In the, in the marketing field, we talk about the power of positive thinking. We're, we're talking about a lot of disciplines which I know really originate from the Bible. And this is, crosses over to the other side of my uh, you know, abilities is, as, as a biblical researcher for the last 30 years, is that the Bible is, most people don't know this, is the number one, has been the number one selling book of all time. Yet very few people understand it. Five billion copies have been printed in over 300 languages. And so my book, Treasures of the Believing Heart, is trying to put principles uh, together and, and showing people how they work in the Bible, and they'll work effectively no matter where you are, what your background is. Everybody, the one common denominator is we have a believing heart, and we're filling it in what we say today is core values. In antiquity times, they talked about treasures something that was very important to them. Their beliefs were, were more important than anything. And as we've gone over time, that still holds true, although we don't realize it. And, um, you know, we've, we, we call them core values. And, but we don't realize the significance, and that's what I try to bring about, is that relationship our core values have to our outcomes, which is one of the big messages that the Bible is trying to communicate to us. Uh, one, can I follow up one question? Yeah, go uh, ahead, Don. Uh, Jiggy, uh, but in, in this increasingly secular world, in today's uh, paper, uh, there was a story about the fact that we have become, here in America and other places, uh, far less religious than we were just 20 years ago. Well, why do you think your message will resonate with people, and is it resonating? Well, I think it is resonating. I, you know, when we look at the media and what's happening, and, and even when you go into churches, this is some of the interviews I've been doing lately, is, you know, the stats are, there, are out there that 20% of people are actually churching out of the, you know, 40% of people who confess to be Christians going to church. And so the numbers have dropped off who are, who are actually going to organized denominations to get fed, to rise up and grow spiritually. And so I think in our day and time, just like any other day and time, um, we have as, as a generation a responsibility to rise to truth. And so when we look at, you know, what's happening today, I think there's a high competition in our, ch our churches in America. Um, but, but one of but the you, important stats... But sorry, you haven't ahead, addressed the question. Do you think uh, it, 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 uh, it's working or it, it, uh, people are hearing the message? I think... I think there's a higher quality, even though the numbers are fewer, the message is yes. I think those that are showing up, it's not as great. I don't always, I ran a church for 14 years. Um, and, you know, you'd rather have quality than quantity. I'd rather, instead of packed doors of people who are just there maybe for the band, <laughs> are the ones who truly believe. And that's one of the things, you know, a biblical truth is, is God looks on the heart. But I'm not saying that's really true. Those guys who are not showing up to church, they could be watching church on their their phones, they could be watching it on TV, uh, or even in their hearts. They just don't want to come, but they're a good person. I think in our day and time, the stats are showing 9 out of 10 people still believe, that's a Gallup poll, still believe in God. And to me, that's a good thing. I'll, I'll pass it on to somebody else. Uh, Dan, you want to jump in there, and then we'll uh, then I'm oh, gonna yeah. then I'm in, then I'm gonna tee up our friend uh -oh, uh -oh, IQL Rizzoli. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, I want to I want to 
follow up what Don was talking about, but perhaps a little different twist that my friend Mr. IQ can help us with. Um, he, he Don made the comment about the church are declining, and uh, in Europe, uh, if you want to go to church, you have to pay a tax to be a member of a, of a congregation. In the United States, um, we have seen um, the closing of many, many churches and church schools over the last 15, 20 years. However, where the Christian churches are closing their institutions, the Muslim community is exploding in the opening of their institutions all over the world, including the United States. In the last 20 or so years, the number of, of mosques in the United States has almost tripled. So the Muslim faith seems to be, down at the family level, much more committed, or let me rephrase that, do you believe that the Muslim faith, down to the family level, is perhaps more deeply committed to their religion than many of the so-called Christians in the United States and other parts of the world? Well, ultimately, God could only answer that question. I'm not going to try to defer from that, but I think overall, you know, my experience would tell me, and that's from working from coast to coast in 26 years of serving, um, that I, I think overall, People in different denominations and churches and, and, you know, and trying to separate Christendom against the Muslim, because overall, you know, 70, 72% of 327 million Americans say they're Christian. Now, I'm not trying to stay a battle here about the Muslims or anything of that faith. That's still a large majority number. Now, it's been dwindling. 65, there was 95% of Americans said they're Christian. And, but... I think the greater point, like you're saying, is the Muslim faith because that that they're growing and they're more committed. If that's if that's what's going on, because to me, in that analyzation would tell me is that if that's real, true growth, if there's really true spiritual uh, development, because that's what we should be doing when we're as leaders bringing people closer to God and developing them to spiritual maturity. And I would say any religion that's dealing with, hey, I'm going to present God to you and develop a relationship where he's going to work in your life and the power of God is going to manifest in your lives. And I would say close to 95% of all the principles and truths are common amongst all these religions. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to not steal from you. You know, those basic tenements. And so um, if they're doing that, to me that would show there is a great love of God going on, and the power of God can work in those situations. And uh, because what really comes out in the news when we're talking Islam is the extremist Islamists in, in the terrorist category, and that's a very small percentage of that overall faith. And so to me, if, that, if that's happening, then there are great leaders rising up there, and they're helping people build strong believing hearts, like my book says, and, uh, and, and, and they're having a positive impact in this world if that's happening on that side of the faith. And, and, and so, you know, to answer your question, if they're doing that, that's what I would say is then, hey, you know what, they've got great leaders because it takes leaders to take and grow a strong and spiritually registering on the scoreboard <laughs> true genuine rewards. And that's what we're talking about because the Bible tells us we have to be 
wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but also to be able to spiritually discern what's of power of light and what's of the power of darkness. And, um, you know, boiling it all down on the spiritual ledger, you know, if that's really happening to me, then we're finding great growth and, 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 uh, and, and there's good leadership there. And so, you know, to answer your question, then, hey, great, if that's going on, um, but they're not approaching the numbers still in America. If that's an overall worldwide figure in America, um, they're going to have a, a lot of room to catch up. Well, but I would suggest to you that one of the reasons why the Muslim religion has has uh, grown over the centuries is that, and, and I can IQ can uh, can can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but the the Muslim religion by and large. Uh, from the 6th century going forward is the only major religion of the world that's never had a reformation. I think part of the problems that we're dealing with in the United States and Europe about what is the church is that we're changing the rules as we change our underwear. And the Muslim faith has stayed true to the Quran and to, and to Sharia law for 1400 years. We keep changing the, the goalposts and people say, well, if you change the goalpost, what am I supposed to do? And the Muslim faith doesn't change the goalpost. They keep them constant. They haven't reformed their religion. They still teach the same things that they taught 1,400 years ago. And people like that stability, uh, even though perhaps Christians and Jews are concerned because the Muslims uh, are not allowed to assimilate with them. I'm just saying that looking at what's happened over the last 20 to 40 years, the Muslim faith has continued to grow in population, and I believe part of it is to do with the fact that their principles remain constant. Would you agree, IQ, or disagree? I agree with you. Uh, with all due respect to the gentleman, there is no such thing as the religion of Islam. Islam is not a religion. Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. 100% guaranteed, not the same as the God of the Bible. Islam is a cult belief system. Islam hates anybody who is not a Muslim. These are fundamentals of Islam. That's not negotiable. There is no such thing as an extremist Muslim, a militant Muslim, a moderate Muslim, or any other type of Muslim. You don't believe me? Ask the Prime Minister and President of Turkey, Erdogan. He was exactly the same thing. There are no shades in Islam. Either you are a Muslim or you're not a Muslim. The most important thing is this. In Islam, it's regimented. It's a belief system which is regimented. And that means if you are in a neighborhood who are Muslim, if you don't go to the mosque, you will be ostracized. Thank you. Rich, would, 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 would you like to respond to IQ and everything there? Well, I, I, I think he's got some great points there. And uh, looking at it, you know, when I was saying about extremists and some of the, the doctrine and the information I'm being able to get is just how, you know, some of the doctrine that they're using to get these people to walk in and you know, the, the terrorism that's happened in America anyway um, – uh, that part is what I'm referring to, but I, I get what you mean is that the is, Islam faith, and, and I would say the same is like a Christian. Although, you know, you're either you're either following the belief or you're in unbelief, is the way I look at it too. And so, 
uh, I really think that um, he he's brought up a, a good point that hey, you know, this faith that that they have um, does offer a lot, and it's and it stood the test of time. Is that it's helped people, and people are going to flock to that, and people that's what they're looking for uh, is some stability, and they want to see the power of God increase in their lives, and and you know, people come into this heart world, and that's why I look at it is with a believing heart. And they have a lot of options to pick and choose. Now, a lot of these, you know, passed on religions are from family. Mm-hmm. And, um, but at the end of the day, what I look at is, is the power of God being energized? Are those outcomes there? And uh, be it the Quran or the Bible, if it is a truth, and truth is going to produce an outcome, that's what I'm looking at. You know, if somebody's sick, are they getting healed? Are they, they need that job? They were, they're believing God and they get that job? And definitely, uh, any mm-hmm population has very successful people in it and that's where i'm going to come back to and hey you know what truth was involved they believed and the power of god was energized um jiggy could i jump in here and and zig this conversation a little bit and uh you mentioned how uh, this uh, fits into the business world i'd like to hear what you mean by that well in my experience i've had 20 years of experience uh, working in the business world, in the insurance industry, and a lot of my clients were all different religions. And that was one of the things that helped me build a greater appreciation that all, you know, and I got to know them, and and you could have people who were, you could say, real religious, meaning they were very devoted, they were very involved in their church, or and and even from Muslim faith, and or you could have some who didn't know a Bible verse at all, yet they were very prosperous, but they were good people. And I've seen bad people. And so you have that two-ledger system <laughs> that I've worked with throughout the years. And you could see the outcomes that were produced. And I know that the more that they applied sound fundamental principles, the more I could then document those to their outcomes of their business that they were, that they were realizing in their lives. And so when you look at the big picture here, uh, be it countries and how they are prospering, and historically, where they've been. I mean, on the map, the United States is a real short timer. But in a short, relatively period of time, this Christian nation has become the most powerful, most prosperous country in the world. And that's where we stand today. And, but we tend to forget a lot of history over time, what happened before, what happened in Rome. You know, there's a lot of history and ebbs and flows. And when you're talking about Christianity, only 2,000 years, and before that, you talk the Judean religion, um, back, again, is, is, you know, the ups and downs of mankind, and um, I even address that in my book, be it we're either the wise man or the foolish man in how we're going to live and apply truth in our lives. You, you said a mouthful, but let me address two a question to you. One, you say we're a Christian nation, yet we have uh, titanic forces at work today trying to take the... Uh, the word God out of this uh, nation uh, and and how we view things. How do you square that with what's going on? And we seem to be acquiescing to the idea. We take uh, Christ out of Christmas. We take uh, God out of our uh, uh, out of our uh, uh, oaths, etc. How do you uh, reconcile yourself to that and say, uh, and say? We are improving when all around us it seems it's just the opposite. 
Well, I'm not, I, you know, overall improving. I'm just, I'm just commenting that, you know, nine out of ten people say they believe in God. And again, only God could really, you know, out of those nine out of ten is really give the final say on this thing. I will say this, that as a nation, nations, and, you know, the United States in general is what we're talking about here, the barometer of, like, the principles that I bring out in my book, that life is spiritual, meant to be lived by believing, our generation, and we all have a responsibility to rise to truth. I've been fortunate in my lifetime that I have not been drafted. Pretty much not serious war. And when you look back, for example, in our short history, World War One, World War Two, that was a biggie. A lot of millions and millions of lives lost. Because ultimately when we're talking about Christianity and we're talking about God, we've got to bring in the devil in the conversation. And he has the power of death. And when he can, when the barometer of believing in a country, and I agree with you, there is a fight, and there always is a fight. And that's one of the big messages going on here, and I'm glad, you know, I'm beyond here to, to, to voice out that, hey, you know what, there is a message. There's a book called the Bible, and you can learn those for, uh, truths, apply those biblical principles, and we as a generation, and like I said, in my generation, I've been fortunate to say, hey, you know what, we've believed to this day and moment and second that, hey, you know what, there has been massive loss of life. Yeah, we've been in wars. There's a constant struggle. The Bible tells us the devil's God of this world. And we've got to rise to truth so darkness doesn't take over our generation. And so, yes, that fight's on. And, yes, we have, uh, you know, it still says in God we trust on our money. Thank God for that. And I think, you know, uh, as those forces go on, you know, right now, We've got a president who goes to Christian churches, people on the other side of the fence, well, he doesn't live very Christian. <laughs> you know, oh, we're always going to have a tug of war be going on. But at the end of the day, those people who really do believe, and if it even came down to one person, can have an impact. And, um, but, I, I, you know, my personal experience traveling the country, there are a lot more to believe. Than, and, uh, and whether or not they're showing up in the stats or not, they're showing up in the bigger picture. Where have we been? Is there mass loss? Is there mass famine? And there's been things going on in our country, but people are still believing, to me, to what's biblically known as stand in the gap, and in the gap of unbelief, and that the power of God has still been blessing this country. Well, can I, Jiggy, uh, can I go on and ask a yes, follow-up? Yes, go ahead, my friend, um, go ahead. Um, uh, throughout our, it's interesting, uh, I, I, I want to disagree. Throughout our history, we have never doubted us that we are a Christian nation. Yet, uh, over the last 20 years, we have seen more and more people saying, uh, uh, to use Dan's term, uh, relativism. We're, we're being compared to other countries, etc. We're, we're, uh, the idea of us as a Christian nation has been poo-pooed and attacked. It's been attacked uh, in our media. It's been attacked in our, our school books. Uh, if you read our school books today, and I read them for, uh, I was shocked, and I saw the latest edition of the, uh, the history book adopted for California for this September. And if you want to read a document that so contradicts what you just said, all you have to do is pick up the eighth grade and the ninth grade reader in California to say uh, they do, do not even mention Father Sierra uh, uh, Juniper throughout the book in California. 
Um, so, oh, uh, yeah. You know, our school system, our public school system, definitely. Uh, I've got two kids who are in, in the school system. But, you know, Christianity is supposed to be in the home. And that starts with the mom and wife and, the, and raising them up. Um, but, no, I, I don't disagree with you there, sir, that uh, there has been a, a big fight to eliminate, and, and like you said, relativism, secularism. Hey, you know what, we're going to just you know, eliminate everything. And really when you start doing that, when you start getting away further from truth, you're going to get farther away from God, but you're going to get farther away from right and wrong. And one of the ways I've always tried to experience, I mean, not experience, but explain, you know, any type of generation where you're at, because you can go too far one way and and go the other. At one extreme, you can have a license, meaning you have a law on everything. You've went too far on putting laws on everything. And, And at the other end, you could have a license, which I think that's where we're at, what you're saying even today, that everything's okay. You know, hey, we're 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 going to change everything. That you know what, whatever discussion you want to bring up, um, where those lines of demarcation, uh, mark, marks of lines of right and wrong have been been taken down, and uh, we have when you're talking about the school system, especially in America, the public school system, you know, uh, that's not hard to tell. But I would say that. You know, those families that really want to, you know, a family, marriage, husband and wife is a biblical principle. <laughs> Raising kids, that's all a biblical principle. Now, you can go to your textbooks and try other ways and have and do and go at it. But if you want the maximum efficiency of that particular, uh, I would say, is just a beautiful thing in life, if you want to do it right, then you're going to have to apply the principles that originated from, and that's going to be the Bible. May I say well, but yet the Bible... One one more question, Jiggy. Yes, yes. The Bible is specifically banned from our schools, from our courts. Uh, In in many states, you no longer take the oath in in judicial matters. A Bible, and in some cases, IQ, are you listening? You can actually use a a a Muslim uh, Islamic Bible to to swear. this to me indicates that that Christianity and your idea is under attack. You're arguing that uh, a bleeding heart, which is a pejorative term from where I come from, is is the way to turn it asunder. But, um, yet uh, it it seems to me that you've got to do more than what you're saying. And and it's believing, not bleeding, believing. And so treasures of the believing heart is it's talking about the biblical principle of believing. And so I'm not, you know, that if anybody's lived long enough in, in the last 50 years knows that the trends in our society, and I'm, I, I agree with you there, you know, all the things that we're having, and that's why we have to rise up. And I'm really thankful that I'm on this show to say, hey, there is an alternative. And really when you look at it biblically, that's all the believers ever did was to stand up and say, hey, you know what? There is another option here. We're representing God and the power of God, and uh, you, could, you could do whatever you want. You have freedom of choice. And if this country continues, uh, I would agree with you, if those trends are to continue to grow, it's a fight. And the believers in this country are going to have to fight. And it's just like how we ended up in this country with a fight. 
You know, you could say it's taxes or for whatever when the original pilgrims came over, but when you're motivated enough to pull up roots out of your own country where you live, and really this can happen overnight in our day and time, how quickly things could change. Um, it's going to be really, from my perspective, it's going to be, hey, you know what, how, again, that principle, those who do believe and those who are interceding and those prayers being answered that, hey, you know, God bless our country, God protect our country, how much is that going to stand true? Because we know in history that, that if that starts to, like you said, starts to wear away what, what, what is down on that path, and history would tell you that there's a lot of, well, look at these other countries. Uh, they're not doing too good when you're, when you're not having, uh, like we have in our day and time, a lot of freedoms and a lot of uh, uh, opportunity, which to me is tied back to biblical principles. Question. One thing I know, which is absolutely a fact of life, God helps those who help themselves, number one. Number two. I agree with you that religion should be started by the parents at home. But I disagree that those parents do not go to the school and reprimand and remove the teachers and the hate masters, whoever they are that they're paying their fees to, if they remove God from the equation. In the final analysis, I've always said that on every talk show. It is we, the people, we, the people who elected Trump, for example, who should take charge of the education system, not the government. We, the people. Back to you. I would totally agree with you. And that's part of rising up to truth. We have to manage our house. And our house is our country, and, 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 and that's the global perspective. Then you break it down per state, you break it down in your local communities. And how involved are you going to be? Uh, my wife and I did the best we could. My wife worked at our local school when our kids were in the elementary school. We went to all the meetings. We got to know all our teachers. And the teachers got to know us. And so it's a one-by-one, ground-level event that one-by-one, how change is impacted and, uh, uh, and, and if we don't do that, you know, people who carry other agendas, you know, uh, are going to have their, their day. And I, I agree with you that uh, if we don't right, continue to rise and do all that we need to do, um, the school system is going to be left up to those who have other agendas. And they've been, they've been very successful at it. I mean, I grew up, there were no homosexual clubs <laughs> when I was growing up in, in the school. Uh, my kids tell me here I am in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Cowboy State, and there's boys and girls making out in a high school. How contradictory is that to the Bible? And yet we have teachings out there saying, hey, you know, uh, this is gender identity thing, and, you know, uh, this, this just rolls. Well, on our books and our laws, sodomy used to be against the law. <laughs> so, heck, there was a TV show, MASH, when the guy dressed up as a girl, you were court-martialed. <laughs> Klinger, remember him? A MASH, the number one TV show? And uh, so we're seeing those, those lines, uh, those landmarks, it's called biblically, are being removed. And we need to rise up, even though we're living in our homes. We can definitely keep rising up and bringing up to our country. Because like I said, and I agree with you, sir, if our values, just like we have to have strong values individually, our country... And if it no longer is going to line up with our values, you're really going to have to uh, consider, just like our forefathers did, 
is this the place we want to be? And, you know, it's interesting that our Constitution was written uh, with providing outs just in case things got really wrong in this country. Hopefully we have enough checks and balances that, uh, you know, sanity and um, uh, doing the right thing can prevail. So let me let me jump in here. I've been listening to this conversation, and um, I have a, a piece that's a commentary that's coming out in the next day or two. Uh, can't tell you where it is going to be, Jim. Uh, it might be Life's Ed or someplace else. But uh, before we before I get to that specific piece, I want to add to the to this discussion. Um, Our Bible, as you refer to it, calls for a marriage to be a relationship between a man and a woman. We have a government and a court system in the United States, which has great influence all over the world, who's decided that marriage is no longer defined as a relationship between a man and a woman, but it could be two men or two women. And so when when the family is now defined by the court system in a totally different way, it makes it difficult, if not impossible, for us who believe that marriage is between a man and a woman to try and convince our children in our homes that this is what's right when everything around them is attacking them. And eventually, uh, when they leave the home and go out into the real world and they see what's going on or hear what's going on, It's going to cause them to question their faith. Now, let me talk about the article. You have three snippets. The executive director of the Sierra Club said that the best way to control global warming is through abortion. Gloria Steinem said we should be killing our children in order to have and protect the world through global warming. And the National Institute of Health, a government organization, said in order to bring the world's population growth to under 1%, 500 out of every 1,000 pregnancies should be terminated. Now, we've got an environmental organization, an activist from the Democratic Party, and a research organization all saying the best way for us to control global warming is to kill our children. What kind of message does that send to the believers in your church? Well, to me, it it really saying, you know, hey, this is giving me an opportunity to teach the truth because here's air. <laughs> and, you know, this isn't anything new. Every, every, nothing new under the sun, although it's up front and in our face and what you're reading and saying. I mean, yes, those are very startling statements, and they do prevail in our day and time. Uh, but we also can be, you know, prevail and say, hey, you know what, there is another option here. Um you know, as you began your discussion, I was thinking about how even in our schools, my kids, well, we're not letting the schools raise my kids. My wife and I raise my kids. 
And that's a biblical principle. And so we're teaching them and laying the groundwork of right and wrong. And I've had a lot of Christians come up to me and say, well, why are you even involved in the public school system? And I'm like, hey, I'm going to be involved in the community because that's what God wants me to do. I'm going to be there for people just as those guys are promoting their agendas. I'm going to be there too, and everybody else can make a decision which way they want to go. Uh, and what has turned out in our experience is that the kids really want to help attracted to our kids, and they wanted to learn more about them and what was at work in their lives. And so that's meaning be, becoming a witness. And I, I think, you know, to address these things that you're, you're addressing really in the political arena, which is, it definitely is concerning, you know, killing all, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, my perspective is, you know, that's one of the commandments, thou shalt not murder. You know, to, to come off with that agenda, I mean, to me, for a true Christian, abortion really isn't an issue because if you're going to apply, you know, all these things are happening to me, in my perspective, would be those who are in unbelief. <laughs> because if you're living really truly, and as our friend on the line here, a Muslim, uh, and you're going to do the best in taking care of the world. You're going to do the best raising your kids. You're going to raise them up to look to court a woman and do the right things. Nobody's perfect, but we can raise our kids to be faithful. And all the, the world has always been there as another option, and it's going to do that. And we're going to pray and believe for that, that, hey, you know what? Hey, this, this uh, you know, propaganda and doctrine, well, we have a doctrine, another doctrine. And we believe that, hey, you know what? You don't have to go that route. And so I can agree to disagree with them and be there and say, you know what? At the end of the day, we're going to pray and believe that, you know, you have your right. We're going to believe in our right, and we're going to believe that God still, even though what you're saying is going to supersede and bless and protect this country and uh, in our own individual lives and hope, you know, believe that that doesn't come to pass, that they would actually do something like that. And, and so that's the best answer I can give you, sir. What do you think about the, the role of the politician, the elected government official at, at, at city, state, county, federal level? There, there, there's, there seems to be very little discussion about um, any religion, any principles at all in, in the political arena. Do you agree with that? Well, I, 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 you know, you'd almost have to take it case by case, but I think if you talk in broad terms, you're, you're right. And I think that's symptomatic of, hey, you know, our core values in our country, they're reflecting their constit constituents that, that may have a bigger sway. And so they're trying to, you know, they're, they're parroting the people they're representing, but it may not be, you know, uh, there can be a silent majority out there. And to me, that'd be that Christian nation. That's not getting their voice out there because of political correctness. You know, I, that wasn't a term I had growing up in the late sixties and seventies. And yet today we see all this going on. And I think, sir, that, any generation, like I said, we we have our our this war, this fight we're in. Apostle Paul called it the good fight. That uh, we're going to have to stand on our principles, and you never give up on them. And that'd be a message in my book. We never give up on our core values and um, our treasures of our heart and those good treasures. And what we need to do is believe God to work in those situations, which are called a door of utterance, like I have here today, and speak the truth in love, and let God go to work after that. You know, you know, you're doing a very good job, uh, in my in my opinion, of uh, uh, why uh, 
uh, Christian authors should be listened to more uh, more than they are. But uh, let me ask you this question. Why do you identify as a Christian author rather than uh, a different type of author? Well, uh, when I started this journey, sir, I, I made a distinction that, you know, I knew how these principles work. Treasures of the Believing Heart. You know, I could have easily wrote a secular book and called it Core Values, Principles, and Purpose. <laughs> you know, and I, and I studied a lot of self-help books. But I, being a former minister, I knew that all through my years on my business career that all these guys were tapping in from what truth came from the Bible. And so, you know, to answer your question very simply is that I'm trying to bring it back to the conversation of, hey, you know, let's, I don't care what denomination – Let's bring it back to what the Bible says. We're not going to know about Jesus Christ if we didn't have the Bible. We're not going to know about God. We're not going to know about all these stories. If this, and this book is a great book of history, just like the Quran or any other book that has stood the test of time. And to me, um, you know, that is why, uh, because I, I would have just lessened myself, and that's not really been, been my calling, sir. My calling has been to, to reach out to others, speak truth, in love, and and be there to do whatever I can to help them with how how I learned and God helped me in my life, and so that's why the journey I've taken. Well, uh, you're calling us all sirs. Well, I, um, uh, I for once seldom get called at uh, other names, but never that. So thank you for that. But um, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. I I just came back from my, my sister-in-law's memorial service, and she had a courageous uh, years-long battle against cancer. And what amazed me was that her company and her boss said, as long as you want to work, you have a job with us, uh, up until her final illness. Uh, now, that to me is the uh, Christian way of, of um, do, doing things. But uh, we seldom see that in today's world. Um, uh, you've brought up the business, what I, uh, how you should have the believing heart. I heard breeding, uh, a bleeding heart, but that's me. Um, uh, but uh, how can um, you t – well, let me see if I can say it this way uh, – can you talk a little bit more about this believing heart in terms of business? I, uh, I'm sure, sure our audience would like to hear. You know, I always try to get better at what I'm doing and to bring this message home because really what, we're, what we want to see, anybody who's in business, is we want to prosper. And yet in the Bible, God wishes a verse from 3 John 2 is, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health. Oh, my gosh. And in the business world, all we want to do is we want to prosper. We want to have our products, whoever our, our, our business partners are, these relationships in the community, that we're having a positive impact. And to me, being in the sales area all my career, that you'd walk into a job that you sat down, and this is true for me. I had a stack of phone numbers to call and a phone and said, you know, See how you do today, maybe you'll have a job tomorrow. And that's where I learned real quickly about believing. Because every step I had to take, I had to be convinced in my heart and that I really, from a genuine point of view, 
really wanted to help people, not just hustle them, and there are bad salespeople who do that. And so my point is back you know, to your question, it's like, hey, everybody who works is believing. Be it running a company, uh, being a manager over people, or if you're the guy on the ground floor and you're making something, we want to put the greatest treasure into everything that we do. And in my book, it's the second chapter. It's called The Greatest Treasure, which is the love of God. When we put the love of God, that core value, into what we do, it allows God then, it's, it, you know, that's why it's the greatest commandment in the Bible. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And really, when you love your neighbor as yourself, you're carrying out that that truth whether you don't know one Bible verse, whether you believe in Hinduism, if you love your neighbor as myself, we're in the foxhole and we're fighting the enemy and you're willing to lay down your life for me and I'm laying down. To me, that core value in the heart, if the Bible's true of what I've researched for 30 years, energizes the power of God. And that, to me, takes it into a different realm. And so when we're talking businesses, if we'll take and leverage that truth, that concept, that's where we have very prosperous companies and we avoid the famine. Actually, I tweeted this last night on my Twitter page. Uh, you don't, there's a promise in the Bible. It's Psalm 92. You don't die by the sword of war. Holy cow, who knew that? And yet, you watch some of these war movies and you find out a couple of these guys, wow, how did they live through Omaha Beach walking right through? And then you hear these guys talk. They had the love of God in their hearts. And um, it's interesting when you start to drill down truth. And so to answer your question again, I, I, I really want to say for businesses and to prosper that that truth, because, you know, we get caught up in the religion and I can't do that. Well, I've always, and I had to, I'm a corporate trainer too, and I would be, well, then put love into your work. If we can't add God and here you go, you got to compromise a little bit. Uh, but, you know, trying to teach people that they don't have to lie, steep and and lie, steal, and cheat in life to get ahead. That's a lie. You know, sports world is always saying, hey, you're really not trying if you're not cheating. Then cut that guy. Because you can win and do your best and believe God and the power of God energize. Actually, my son is being recruited by some of the top colleges for swimming in this part of the country. I'm living in Wyoming. And, and I'm telling them that, that, hey, you know what? Outside of ability, coach, you ought to look at those core values of your people. What would you rather have, a very talented guy, but who on the other side would lie, steal, and, and, and steal to get a better time? Or would you have a guy who really loves what he's doing and see his teammate do his best, everybody do his best, and he's not going to cheat? When you tell him to do a workout, he's doing his best. That's how you run a business, too. Same concepts. Hey, when you sit down and you manage those people or you're fixing the widget, you're putting the love of God to do your best and everything. When, when the, that truth of the, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link is going into effect, sir, these businesses will prosper. This country will prosper. The people will prosper. I hope that answers your question. Well, for me, it, it, it raises uh, other questions. I'm, I'm going to uh, 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 you bring up a metaphor. Yet, if you look at college football, we just had the the coach at Mississippi fired because of um, uh, cutting corners. And if you, and if you look at the major pro, uh, football programs in this country, uh, most of them have uh, uh, players who uh, seem to have an entitlement about them. Selves, uh, that um, uh, belies what you're saying. I don't want to argue with you because uh, I believe in what you... I, I agree with what you believe is the way to go. Unfortunately, uh, being a newsman as long as I have, uh, you, you, you 
have a cynical streak uh, um, uh, built into it, which says uh, it's hard to uh, believe most of these politicians um, uh, have goodness in their soul. And, you know, history would tell you that, and I think you could document it, but I think there are still some really good ones out there. And I think the confusing factor in what you just said, because the Bible tells us we have to be able to discern spiritually which is good and evil. And Jesus Christ even said, know them by their fruit. And so we've got to be fruit inspectors from a spiritual angle. And just because somebody has a great outcome doesn't necessarily mean that the power of God or the power of darkness, was, you know, our, that's our job to d- determine, because... Hey, you know what? The power of the devil can turn, you know, a, a rod into a snake, just like Moses did, right in front of Pharaoh. And so we have to become experts at that, and that's a hard deal. And you know, the, the spiritual mature that want to develop themselves has historically been the few. But in the in the Bible also shows that there can be many. You look at the life of Solomon, where a whole nation and the nations of the world looked at his prosperity. The guy wasn't perfect. He had his moments, and he had his bad moments. But the bottom line is, the consistency of his life, he had more good than bad, and he did bring the nation of Israel to the forefront of prosperity like no other country ever in the world. And he's listed as the Bible as the most prosperous king of Israel ever. And nobody was going to touch him. And so if we do get all that alignment of the principles and truth, that's what's available. It's going to be up to us in a generation. Do we want to rise to that level? Unfortunately, we never uh, as a, a very young reporter, I covered a, a, a councilman's race in which the man spent $6,000 for a job that, caught, that paid 2000 And when I asked my editor why he did it, my editor just laughed. Uh, three years later, when he was uh, brought up on corruption charges, I understood. And that was 50 years ago, and I, I'm still waiting to see, meet that honest politician. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And go ahead, sir. Uh, thank you. Um, I want to talk about America right now. Um, we have a group of people in this United States who will do anything to destroy the reputation of Donald Trump and anybody associated with him. We're talking about assassination. We're talking about character assassination. Most of it unfounded or never proven. But we are continuing to feed this message to our children. And I want to go back in time. I believe that Bill Clinton forever changed the presidency of the United States and had a significant impact on young people because when he lied to the American people, when he stood there and shook his finger at the American people from that podium and lied that he did not have sexual relations with that woman, he basically demeaned the office of presidency of the United States and yet nobody was outraged. Why? The economy was doing well, and nobody really cared about the behavior of the president, which is a terrible thing to say. We have Barack Obama, who 29 times stood in front of the American people 
and lie to the American people about Obamacare. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. 29 times he openly lied to the American people. And what concerns me is that when we see the leaders of the free world, especially the President of the United States, behaving the way Bill Clinton and Barack Obama have behaved, we are changing the moral principles of the next generation. I think what we're seeing today in our country is a function of what happened with Bill Clinton. I don't know what's going to happen to this country with the impact of, of Barack Obama and his lie, lying to the American people. And so we have a different president. We have a president who, because somebody said, has yet to prove anything, that he was in cahoots with the Russians to throw the election to Hillary Clinton, they will are unwilling to admit that she was a terrible candidate and she didn't campaign and she felt entitled. And the people in the flyover states decided that they were entitled. But I, I have grave concerns that we will not know the, the, the implications of Barack Obama's personal behavior and his lack of truth and lying to the American people, how that will degrade the moral fiber of the United States. And we may not know that for a number of years, but I have grave concerns that there will be a, a price to pay for what Mr. Obama did. With all due respect, you are paying the price. You don't have to wait a few years. Obama destroyed America, not only because he lied, because of his total incompetence in foreign affairs. He destroyed her socially, racially, ethnically, educationally, and health-wise. What else do you need? This is what's happening, but what is worst part of what's happening in America is the education system, your core level education system. Look at what's happening in the universities. You have young people who know absolutely zero about the American Constitution, American history, and the Bible. Zero. Zero. Literally, when I say zero, I mean literally zero. I agree. I agree. So what? We have already. We got the results already. And unless American parents, I always said it, it a nation is built from rock, from solid bricks. The bricks are the family. If the family is dysfunctional, the state collapses. <coughs> if the family believes in God, if the family believes in right and wrong and knows what is right and what is wrong, the state is indestructible. <coughs> yeah, but my concern is IQ. We're seeing the preliminary reaction to Obama. But we may not we may not see the, the the serious reaction for another five to ten years. And as that generation grows up, who believed had hope and hope and change that was there, and that hope and change was destroyed, and the and the government lied to the people. It will take time for that generation to deal with that, and how they will deal with it is yet unknown to me. 
But I, in in all due respect to our guest, I don't think they're turning to their Bibles. Well, they're not turning to their Bibles. I honestly believe that what they are doing now is dumping it on Trump. Their anger for having been misled for eight years by Obama, they're attacking Donald Trump. Right. Well, that's that's part of it, too. But but I, I have grave concerns about whether or not churches as we know them in the United States today, regardless of their denominations, um, can be a meaningful place for change in the United States in the future. I'm I'm very concerned that their influence is gone. And I guess to answer that question, I'd be, you know, biblically, the book of Ephesians, because this is a spiritual, to me, perspective when I'm addressing something like that, the church. You know, when I talk... Uh... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.